Okay, so we're in John 3, as you just heard from James, and we jump into John 3, and we meet Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's a part of the Sanhedrin. And it says that he comes to Jesus at night. You know, what, what, what reasons that could be? It could be that he, you know, wanted Jesus' undivided attention. It could be that he, you know, Jesus was always surrounded by a crowd, so this is a time where you could really ask him some questions. Or, or maybe more likely it could be that he was coming because he didn't know fully if he was going to follow this man at all. And he wanted it to be secret. So he approaches Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He approaches Jesus. Nicodemus is looking for something. I'm not sure what at this point in the story of Nicodemus. I'm not sure if Nicodemus is fully sure what at this point, but he's looking for something. And that's a reminder this morning for us to look for people. Look for people. Look, look for people who are looking. Look for people who are seeking. There are people all around us every single day, if we just open our eyes and we open up our ears and we're willing to speak to them, who are looking for something more. I believe that's what drives us to curiosity, right? We're, we're driven to curiosity in any element of our life because we know that there's something more for us there. And so we start to ask more and more questions. There are so many people in our world right now who that's simply what they're looking for. They're simply looking for more. You have the opportunity as someone who has this to be their answer, to be the answer to their question to what they're seeking. And also I'll say this to us, don't, don't stop being curious. Never stop being curious. Never stop asking, never stop seeking, never stop knocking. Because that's what this born again life really gives us. It gives us more. This life is going to give you more. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this had to be super confusing to Nicodemus. You know, he, he has a statement, not a question to Jesus. He says, we know. He hasn't even gotten, I'm sure he had lots of questions. He had them lined up of what he was going to ask Jesus. But Jesus replies to his statement with a statement. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the king, kingdom of God. And he goes into this explanation of what it means to be born again. And of course, while, while Nicodemus, he, he would have understood baptism, he, he would have known what baptism was and, and would have had its roots in baptism already, but, but he didn't understand what Jesus was getting at, and maybe we don't either. It's, it's humbling. You know, ba baptism is humbling because what we are doing in that action is showing that I am essentially not enough by myself. The act of being baptized is such a humbling experience. You're saying, I'm, I'm not enough by myself, that my way is not working, and essentially, hey, let's start over. Let, let's start over, let's be born again and start anew, except this time I get to do it with the grace of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. What we get when we choose to be born again is more than if we keep fighting for what is better, fighting to be better on our own. It's a full admittance. It's a full admittance to this world and to our God that we need him. That I can't take another step towards him without him. 
Nicodemus responds when he's talking about this, about being born again. And, and obviously he, he's, he's confused and he says, how can this be? How, how, can, how can these things be? And Jesus says to him, you don't get it. You're, you're, you're Israel's teacher. And yet you don't understand the things that I'm saying. He's the teacher of Israel, but he doesn't get it. And I want you to not miss this this morning that you can have a front row seat and still miss the message. You, you can have a front row seat to what's going on and still miss the message that's right in front of you. Uh, I remember seeing the Sixth Sense back in the day, um, back 20 years ago, I guess. So spoiler alert, um, you've had 20 years, so I, I don't care. Um, he was dead the whole time, mind blown. But I remember I was one of the people, you know, for a lot of you, you probably had it spoiled before you went. So you went and watched knowing what was coming. But I, I didn't. I didn't. So I got to that point and I'm like, man, like, what in the world? How did I miss this? And then you start going back through and you start, everything starts to connect and make sense. And you're like, ah, oh, it was right in front of me the whole time. And I just missed it. I just missed what was right there. When you go back, your mind is blown that you couldn't see what was right in front of you the whole time. But this happens to us all the time. It happens to us all the time. We can obsess so much with the minutia that we miss what really matters. We miss what really matters in life because we're so obsessed with what's right in front of us and we've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, that we miss the big picture that's going on. We miss what's right in front of us and we miss it with our faith. We become so obsessed with our minutia that we miss what really matters. So Jesus goes deeper. He goes deeper and explains the purpose of his life on this earth in one of, if not the most recognized verses, passages in Scripture. What James just read for us a moment ago. And a couple messages that we get from that passage. First off, God loves this world. God loves this world. Not, not the world then, he loves the world now. We may not always. I, I, I struggle sometimes. You know, a lot of things get in the way for us loving the world. You know, politics get in the way. And I wanted to talk about that. I'm just kidding. I'm not going there. This, it's, Christ, it's Christmas. We're not going to talk politics. Don't do it at the Christmas table either. It gets in the way. I was driving uh, to Ikea the Saturday before Christmas. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking either uh, yesterday and there were some drivers it was raining and the way they were driving it, it was hard for me to love some of those people who were cutting me off in the rain on I-10 Katy Freeway sometimes it's hard to love the world sometimes it's hard to love the man in the mirror and we talked about that last week it's hard, hard to love yourself to feel the forgiveness from your God, to feel the grace that you're living in. And understand this, even when it's hard for you to love the world, he still does. He still does. He loves this world so fully. God so fully loved the world that he gave us Jesus. That's, that's how much he loves us. And here's the thing. Yes, this, this alludes to the sacrificial giving, of Jesus on the cross, absolutely, that he, that he gave us Jesus on the cross, but don't miss the bigger message here and the bigger gift that we receive. He gave us Jesus, the best gift of all, but not the dead Jesus. He gave us the living Jesus. 
He gave us the Jesus who is still living today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave us Jesus. And don't forget that. The goal in this gift, the goal in what we receive is, is not com- condemnation. He didn't send to condemn. He sent Jesus so that the world might be saved. That, that was the reason for him sending and what we're celebrating in this season. He didn't send for condemnation. Sometimes we like that. And sometimes I think we like that because we do struggle with this whole truly, fully loving the world in the way that our God loves the world. And so we want judgment. We, we want this righteous punishment. We want to be the judge of that. But that's not God's goal. God sent Jesus that no one, so that no one would perish, but that all might have eternal life, that the world might be saved. Salvation is found in the living Jesus, in the Jesus who lives in us. Because the light has come into the world. The light has come into the world. And that's what we get to celebrate this week. I hate darkness. Not like I'm afraid of the dark. I mean, a little bit, a little bit still, but not fully. But I hate darkness. I hate emotional darkness. I desperately hate spiritual darkness. It could give me kind of a a panic attack just thinking about it. Because when I think about that kind of depth of darkness, it's this feeling of helplessness. Because when you're in that kind of darkness, and some of you are in it right now, some of you have been in it before. When you're in that kind of darkness, you you can't see a way out. You can't see a pathway out of the darkness because it, it is a deep, deep darkness. And because you can't see a way out, what you eventually do is you just stop moving. You stop trying to find a path because what you feel like in that kind of darkness is the more I move, the more lost I get. The further away I get from the light. So I, I just choose to be still and try and just dig my feet in, dig my hands in and survive right now. It's a feeling of disparity, a feeling of being lost. And that's why the people who have the light are called to move into darkness to walk us alongside people who are stuck in darkness and to guide them towards the light. If you have light, you go to people who are stuck in the dark. But Jesus says here too, still some choose darkness. Some people still choose darkness. Why? Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. See, some some people are lost and stuck in darkness. And some people are simply choosing it because they fear exposure. They fear that that what's going on and what's in the depths of their soul are going to be exposed if I go towards the light. Because that's what light does. You know, we we understand that. Light exposes darkness. You know, we don't develop pictures in the same way. I mean, it's probably been a while except for maybe printing a Christmas card since you've developed a picture, period. But that, that's what, what happens in that process as, as the light exposes what is really there in the full picture. And it brings it more and more clearly until it finally reaches full exposure. And there are a lot of us who are afraid of that. 
You're, you're afraid of having what you do in the darkness exposed by the light. And because of that, you continue to live and walk in the same path. And you continue to have that feeling of being just stuck in the dark. Even though maybe for you, maybe you know that light is out there. And you know the pathway to it. But you are so afraid of having it revealed. Because if you have it revealed, there are so many things that are going to happen in your life. If you have it revealed, then you're going to have to stop. If, if you allow the revealing to take place, you know that you need to walk away from that. You know that you need to stop it. You know that it's hurting you. You know that it's dangerous for you. But as long as I stay in the darkness, I don't have to admit that. I don't, I don't have to allow that to be exposed. And I don't have to walk out of what I've been stuck in. I can just choose to stay right here. And some of you are choosing to stay in the darkness because you don't think you can actually walk in the light. You don't really think that you have the power to walk in the light. And the truth is you don't by yourself, but you do with the Savior because light has arrived at, on the earth. It is here. It is fully here. Some of you need to step in the light. You need to step in the light and allow the full picture to be developed in the light of life. Because here's the beautiful thing about that light. So you know, we're, we're so afraid of being exposed. I hope we're not a church like that. But I think churches have, have, have gotten that reputation over the years. You know, we, we come in and we, we put on our church clothes and, and we try and look good. And we try and look like we've got it all together. Insert beard joke here. I know it doesn't look good, but I'm sticking with it for a little while longer. We, we try and put on this facade like everything is great because we're so afraid of allowing our darkness to be exposed. And because of that, it just stays in the dark. It's not allowed to be exposed to the light. It's not allowed to be developed. And we're so afraid of what is going to happen when what happens when light exposes the darkness as beauty is found. That's when the beauty is revealed in that picture. It's when the beauty is revealed in your life. It's when the beauty is revealed from our God. It's the full picture that light reveals is not just our flaws, absolutely. And you shine some light, you know, I've been getting on them for a while. They say it needs to be extra bright here. Like, I want it a little dim. I, want to, I don't have a tan right now. Like, like, light can do great things for you. Absolutely, light reveals the flaws. It reveals the mistakes. It reveals the wounds that are there. But beyond that, and more important than that, Light reveals the healing power of the grace of our God. Yes, it reveals your wounds. Yes, it reveals your scars. Yes, it reveals your mistakes. But instead of leaving those as scars that we're ashamed of, they become scars that we're proud of, scars that are bragging on our God and how great he is and what he's done in our life. Isaiah 9, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Skipping down for, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is giving, given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Notice that first verse. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
know, that, that's, what, that's what the chosen ones of Israel felt like in this time period. You know, walking in darkness, waiting, looking. When you are in the dark, you are doing nothing but looking for light. That's what we all do. That's what we all still practically do. We sit and look for a light. We look for a light switch to turn on. We look for a glimmer of light to be able to find our path. And we have light in the world. A light that shines on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light that is dawn. Jesus is here. Reading back in John chapter 1 and verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He came to give everyone light. He came to give everyone the right to become his child, to become a child of light, a child of God. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will, or of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received, and I love this, grace upon grace. Fullness of the Savior's grace. At the end of Jesus' life, we get this little sight of Nicodemus again. It's always been such a beautiful thing to me, a beautiful moment, because if you're just reading through, and and you're probably familiar, you're here this morning with John 3, and especially with that passage, you've read it so much, that that it is kind of so normal to us that we miss, that it just kind of cuts off. We we don't get to see what happens with Nicodemus. We we just kind of have Jesus giving this most powerful message that we talk about all the time, that is a staple, that some of you probably have tattooed on your body, that you talk about all the time, and we just forget about it. We just go on goes back to John's disciples, and we don't get the rest of the story right there. But if we flip over to John chapter 19, we see Nicodemus' presence at the burial of Jesus. And not just, just his presence, but he's with Joseph of Arimathea, and he shows up with everything to prepare the body of Jesus. And it says that as, they, as they're preparing the body together, Joseph and Nicodemus, and I can't help But every time I read this passage, but picture Nicodemus. I don't know what happened in that moment. I would say, like a lot of us, most of us don't make big, life-altering decisions in an instant. Most of us that are going to make the kind of change that he was even hopefully, I think, contemplating in John 3 are going to take some time. And we're going to walk away and we're going to count the cost. And he did. And he, he kind of fought for Jesus a little bit at one point. And, and, and he's going away and he's counting the cost, counting the cost, counting the cost. But I can't help that think, but think that in this moment he's sitting there and this takes time to prepare the body. As he's preparing the body, as he's wrapping our Savior in linen, He's thinking back to those words, those words that they just couldn't shake. Those words that I hope you can't shake. Those words that are so different from everything they'd been hearing, even though they matched up perfectly with everything that he was seeking. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he, that he gave his only son. And he continues to wrap Jesus. That whoever believes... Whoever should not perish, 
but have eternal life. And God didn't send his son to condemn. He sent his son to save. He continues to wrap. Light has come into the world. And I think Nicodemus was a smart man. And he knew what Jesus was referencing. People love darkness. People still love darkness. Even how terrible it is for us. But whoever does what is true comes to light. That it may be clearly seen. He continues to wrap Jesus, prepare his body as he thinks about these words. Light has come into the world. So while we wait and while we long for the return of true light, we don't run from the darkness. What we're called to in our time here is to pursue it. You know, that, that's what I've, I've pictured the church as for a long time. I've gotten this image in my head of the wrong way of a church being uh, that we've kind of built it around. And that's the church being this, this lighting gallery. And, and that you come here, and it should be. This should be the brightest place you go every week. I hope it is. That you come here, and it's so bright. It's so bright. Some of the people that don't like our lighting are like, turn the lights up, Bo. Like, we want to go back to the bright lights. But it, it, it's so bright in here, and we come to be together and then we just got to make it through the week. Just got to make it through the week. What we're actually called to be is to be the light of the world. Not to hide with others in the light, but to pursue those who are in the darkness. And so that's what we do. While we wait for the true light to arrive on this earth again, we pursue those who are stuck in darkness. And we shine. We shine. Because John 1 Verse 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And remember this, remember this, as you go throughout this week and every week, the light shines in the darkness. Every time, every time, if there is light present in the darkness, it shines. And that darkness has not and will not be overcome. Overcome it. Let's sing together.